Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Best Books Ever. I am Tyler, and today, today is, you know, a day that comes along not super often, right? We've obviously finished books before. I think this is our, what, like, eighth, ninth book that we've finished so far, but this is only the second time that we have finished a series. Um, so that's just like double the excitement, right? Of like finishing a whole series. Um, technically there are more books as well as other books in like the universe of this series of Percy Jackson, but, uh, this is the, the end of this like proper series. So, uh, really cool stuff, right? Obviously Last Olympian, 12 through 23, uh, all that good stuff. So lots of stuff to cover. Obviously we'll start at the very end. And it's basically just like hit after hit <laughs> of little things that happen, uh, you know, us like clearing up a lot of the, uh, a lot of the loose ends. And also I think them setting up some future stuff again, we might get into it towards the end of the episode. But again, there are, like I said, there's technically, there are other books that are releasing, you know, 15 years later. And there are also like other series that are in the same universe, I think. I think one or two of them are actually more or less direct sequels to this series, so um, we talk about that later, though, because that's not that's not important right now. Right now, we got this book, Last Olympian. All right, lots of stuff. Some stuff that I feel like I did predict, which I think might be cheating a little bit because I have read the book before, but also some stuff that I'm like I genuinely didn't remember. <laughs> um, but uh, let's just start with the end and uh let's see so i think the big thing going uh, well there's a lot of big things but one of the big things was uh hitting hitting that new great prophecy i think was huge um i didn't write down the whole thing so i don't think it's super necessary especially since again this might come up in like one of the other series i don't remember uh, I never actually finished any of the other series. I think I started a couple of them, but I remember way less about those than I do this. Like, I, I probably couldn't even tell you any of the characters. I guess any of the new characters, if they did have the same characters. But um, a couple of things I did write down with that was the, the, the Doors of Death was one. Doors of Death and Seven Half-Bloods. Doors of Death, not sure where that is. It sounds like a place in the underworld just because, you know, death... Right, that would make sense. Although it would be strange, I guess not. You know, it, I feel like it'd be strange for Nico to not immediately perk up and be like, "Doors of Death." You know, I feel like he'd know something about that. Maybe not though. You know, he hasn't necessarily covered every single thing in the underworld with his with his time down there. But it doesn't sound promising. And also, Seven Half Bloods immediately breaks the rules of quests of pro. You know, but. Not only prophecies, more so quests, when quests are usually three people. Um, although we did have the Hunter quest, that was the Titan's Curse, right? And that specifically brought more people. Um, and then Annabeth did also break the rules with her quest, with with, uh, with the Labyrinth. Um, but Seven Half-Bloods, that, that already kind of gets you thinking of, like, who could it be, right? Again, if we are talking about a future book, I'm not sure which one or who's even going to be a part of it, but... You know, you immediately think of like, well, Percy and Annabeth, right? They're locks. Grover, 
not so much anymore, especially with him, with what he's doing. We'll talk about that after, um, you know, even like Thalia, right? So uh, it does make you excited, though, right? You know, I was, I was like ending on that. And then also, also knowing that this seems to be the next like great prophecy. It's not just one where, you know, you, you, you get a quest out of it. This is one that is akin to the one they just completed, right? With the the hero and the saving or destroying Olympus and, you know, he's a powerful half-blood and whatever, he'll die at the end or, you know, all that stuff. That's basically like the next one of those. So we're not quite sure. I think even Apollo was like, listen, this quest took seven years to happen. Like this one that we just heard might not happen in our lifetime. I guess your lifetime. I'm Apollo. I'm mortal. But it might not even happen in your lifetime. Like, there's not, there's no use in worrying about it, right? Um, which, I feel like towards the end, when Annabeth and Percy kind of talked about it for a second, it was like, yeah, maybe. But then deep down, I think they're both knowing that with our luck, we're going to be involved in this somehow, you know? Why would, why would we only have to deal with one great prophecy? You know, that, that, that'd be way too easy. Um, but it does kind of, again, you know, it's kind of make you think it does leave you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Um, you know, it does make you want to read, again, whatever other series. Um, I do think that when I finish this, um, my, uh, it, it, it like recommended uh, the Trials of Apollo series next. So I think that one might be the next series, like chronologically that he put out. So maybe that's when it gets, I haven't read any of the Trials of Apollo. Um, I did read another series of his. Heroes of Olympus. I, mean, I think I only read like the first two or three books of that one. I don't remember that one at all. Um, so I might have just skipped Trials of Apollo, <laughs> which is crazy if, if that was the next one published. That's kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, even though everything was pretty much resolved, I do like how they set this up. Of like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. And who knows who will be a part of it. Um, so yeah, that's the great prophecy stuff. Um, we have the moment of truth, right? Percy and Annabeth finally, I think, like, officially get together, which is nice. Um, I love the moment. Well, there's a lot of great moments, right? Um, there's the one with him almost becoming a god, which we'll save for a few moments from now few seconds from now but the one i want to get with is the half blood camp half blood um with the one two of one him sort of uh him getting the like birthday cupcake from annabeth which is really nice he's like i didn't even know today was my birthday i didn't even realize it so that was nice that like she remembered it again it's, it's just like the little things that show you who cares about you you know it's like she remembered your birthday when you didn't um, granted, he had a lot going on, but still, it's a it's a very nice gesture. Um, and then for them to go by the 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 ocean or the ocean, right? Yeah, ocean, eat it, all that stuff, and then him clearly trying to like get out the words, and her knowing which what he's trying to say or her realizing what he's trying to say and making it super hard on him, like um, you know, like laughing at him or whatever. Um, you know, she even, has, she even has the line where she's like, I am never going to make things easy for you, uh, which is which is funny. Um, and then them, um, them both getting their feelings out, which is nice. And then the, the second moment, which is 
Clarice and everyone in the background just like yelling and cheering and you have like torches and everything and it's like wow the whole camp <laughs> like someone might like Clarice probably must have noticed them or something like walking off and she went through and she must have told everyone like hey hey come here <laughs> um you know not because you know again we've we've seen the full arc of Clarice I think Clarice has definitely grown on all of us that's kind of the point of her of her character arc um so I don't think it was really like oh I hate Percy or whatever I don't you know I think that's kind of over um but like her kind of softening up a little bit and also you know I think especially towards Percy and Annabeth like how much they you know how much they respected like their their mutual friend Selena I think was was big um but you know I, I just thought it was hilarious because like everyone watched them and they're like finally finally it's happened because you know I, I, I talked about it I think it was in last book right when we got the whole like Selena and 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 Beckendorf situation and I even mentioned this where it was like Percy was thinking how everyone else felt that way like oh finally they're together like after you know all this time of them like kind of sneaking around and whatever and it's like everyone knows you two like each other the fact that you're doing all this is just is, is just ridiculous and it's like that's clearly how everyone feels about Percy and Annabeth as well so it, it, it all makes sense to be like finally <laughs> how long have we waited years at this point right um I think what four years because he came when he was he came to camp when he was 12 and now he's 16, just turned 16. Um, four years. <laughs> We've seen the obvious. Um, you know, so that was funny. And then they like threw them in the lake or whatever. Um, and then Percy used his Poseidon powers to stay underwater with her, which was, which was cool. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love that moment. Um, even more so because I think there was a little bit of uncertainty going into this last book. Um, of like, are they going to, is Rick going to actually do this? Is he going to pull a fast one on us? Um, but no, I mean, we did it and it's great. Best case scenario. Um, I just really want to wrap up a lot of this very end stuff and then I'll kind of pick apart special moments, um, that happened earlier in the book. So more so, you know, more just like resolution type stuff. Uh, we got we got Grover's end, right? Where Grover, uh, Mr. D, officially made him the uh, a, a a member of the Council of Elders, uh, filling in uh, Lenius. Lenius is because he unfortunately died. Um, we kind of grew on him a little bit, not as much as like a Clarice character, but uh, you know, in the end, he did fight. You know, I don't, I don't remember seeing any of the other, uh, council members there. So he, he, he did fight. He was a part of the, the army that, that, that tried to oppose Kronos. So you have to at least give him that. Um, but yeah, he did make him a member of the council elders, which is huge. Um, they also made him like the, the God of the wild or whatever, basically taking a pan's place. So he's, 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 he's a pretty important, important character, a pretty important person in this world um i love the moment too where where mr d makes him a council member and he immediately faints <laughs> and he's like all right well when when he wakes up let him know <laughs> i thought that was funny like, of course Grover would would faint at something like that and then we have some some later 
uh, conversation with him when he's like, Juniper is saying the same thing, you know, because he's trying to kind of put down himself a little bit to be like, okay, it's not, you know, I'm still, I'm still Grover, I'm still out here, you know, doing stuff. And, uh, you know, Percy, and then we find out again, like, you know, Juniper is like, no, like, you're, you don't understand how important you are. Like, you have a lot of title. You are like, you are definitely the most important satyr alive right now. Um, and even above that, like, there, you, you have a lot going for you right now. Um, which is great because, you know, even throughout the whole series, I think his character and also his his achievements kind of hit you. You don't realize how good Grover is at his job and also how um, how motivated he is. You don't see that in the very beginning, but then you sort of like, again, as the books go on, it's like how, how dedicated he was, how much more dedicated it feels like he was to like finding Pan. Um, and also like, how torn up he is whenever he, he he fails a mission or he thinks he fails a mission or he thinks he fails a half-blood it's like he really is like a true satyr um and i love that he was able to get this ending because that's like best case scenario for him as well um so good stuff there um and then along with that uh, they're getting way more demigods again. It kind of goes part and part with what uh, will happen with Percy, but we'll we'll save that for its own thing. Um, but they're getting way more demigods. We got a bunch of them all over not not only the, the country but the world. Um, so great stuff, you know. They you know they said they're planning on doubling their uh, occupancy. I don't know of of campers next season. So we're gonna have so many more people, which is gonna be cool. Hopefully more people with like different gods and them actually knowing who their parent is, who their godparent is. Um, lots of, uh, again, I could have looked into this, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, again, I'm fairly certain. Okay, I know for a fact Rick Riordan has other series that are kind of like gods related, right? I'm mostly sure that they're all in the same universe in some way, right? At the very least, a few of them are in this, like, Greek god universe. Fairly certain of that. I don't know which one would be next. Um, but I can see how this is sort of, like, building, again, a, a mix of the whole great prophecy that we just heard. And with them saying, we're going to get, like, with the gods having to claim all of their children, um you know, the, the satyrs going crazy where it's like, we need like a hundred new satyrs to, you know, be able to get all of these demigods that are popping up. It's like, this is a great combination for some big new adventures and big new quests. Um, obviously fulfilling the great prophecy in some way. So very, very exciting. Um, so let's see, we got the demigods around the world. Um, Mr. D council of elders all that stuff okay some other ending stuff annabeth right we haven't really touched on annabeth except for her relation with with percy but by herself fantastic fantastic stuff um athena makes her the architect of olympus which is like grover got his thing first and then when they said this to annabeth i, I was thinking like i am surprised annabeth didn't faint <laughs> you know because this is like her dream right like not only not only architecture but also 
you know, she talks about her weakness, right? But it's like she wants something or some things to last forever. Like, like she wants to build something that people will remember and like she can be proud of and all that stuff, right? And so for her to be the main architect for what Olympus is going to look like from now until, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get destroyed again for any reason, but, you know, I'm sure the next great prophecy won't be, you know, won't be easy. <laughs> you know, there'll probably be some, some sort of destruction there, but, you know, she, I mean, her, her getting to literally build Olympus and, you know, Ava Athena being like, you know, we could, we could just build it up with magic, but we need to make some improvements. And it's like, yeah, of course, and not only is she an architect, but she is a daughter of Athena. And she also did, she's also the only one to be like fully studying Daedalus's, uh, you know, his like blueprints and his ideas and stuff like that. It's like, she's perfect for this. And uh, I, I, I honestly hope we do get more. Again, I just keep talking about these other series, but like they're, you know, they're clearly setting it up. I mean, again, you can, you can go Wikipedia page of, of, uh, you know, of Rick Riordan and see all the series he has and all that stuff. So, but like, I, I really hope in one of his future series, we do have these same characters and uh, we do get to see some of, uh, you know, some of Annabeth's new, you know, buildings and structures and stuff like that. Um, you know, just because it's cool to see people who are excited about stuff and who are passionate about stuff, you know, because we see that on Grover's end too with his, with his whole pan and the nature and the, um, you know, finding demigods, like, he's very, very passionate about that, so whenever he talks about it, it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of contagious, um, so, you know, I'd, I'd definitely like to see more of that, and I, I hope we do in, in, in future books, um, so that is perfect, um, I don't think there's anything else other than hitting up the Percy stuff, in, in, in terms of the, like, resolution stuff again after that i do want to touch on a few different things that were earlier in the book um but just in terms of like you know almost like epilogue stuff um oh i guess one last thing which is sort of connected to something earlier but i do like um you know and this will kind of lead into the percy stuff um well actually i do have one more thing after this one more thing um, but, uh, Nico and Hades are welcomed into Olympus. I like that. Um, you know, especially since it sort of feels like a conclusion to a m massive <laughs> part of the first book, which is Hades being separated from everyone else, right? Like that's the main reason why we thought it was Hades was because he has a grudge against the other gods, specifically Poseidon and Zeus. So, of course, he would want to incite a war between them so they would maybe destroy each other or weaken each other or whatever. And then he'd be able to rise up and be the new, you know, king of the gods or whatever. Um, so for, for us to start there and then for us to get to the end and him being welcomed, you know, him, uh, you know, previously only able to show up once a year to Olympus during the winter solstice to now him again being like champion and being you know, like, he was a massive part, massive reason to him being, uh, to them being able to be Kronos, you know, um, and then Nico as well, again, you know, we're gonna get into the whole, uh, changes that Percy specifically, uh, requests, but, like, 
him getting a Hades cabin, I think works great for him because it's not only Hades that is an outcast among the gods, uh, by proxy, all of his children are also outcasts at Camp Half-Blood. They don't even have a cabin where, where Hades is one of the big three, <laughs> one of the three main most powerful gods and somehow you know he's not he's not able to have him it's like come on come on there's not even a cabin in the underworld it's not even like oh you can have your cabin under there with your place no there's 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 no place at all so um you know that being flipped them getting the the respect and the recognition that they that they deserve is nice um they shouldn't have had to do anything to earn it (laughs) Because uh, no one else did. No one else had to, you know. Um, you know, Hades didn't do anything bad. He just got... Anyway, so uh, that is great. And then one more thing before the Percy stuff. Because the Percy stuff is the most, I think, monumental. Um, Rachel. A character where... <laughs> wasn't really sure where she was going to end up, you know. Um, you know, we first see her and I believe it's the... Titan's Curse, maybe, Titan's Curse, Titan's Curse, yeah, 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 right, Titan's Curse, <laughs> if I say it a few more times, maybe it'll be true, um, Titan's Curse, I believe, where they were running through the Hoover Dam, saw her, she helped out a little bit, she was able to see stuff, which is weird, um, but then from there, she gets closer and closer to Percy, we think maybe, She's going to get with Percy instead of Annabeth, which is scary. I definitely like Rachel. I don't think there's any overwhelming reason for the reader to dislike Rachel, besides the fact that we maybe, you know, want it to be Annabeth instead of Rachel. But other than that, it's like she's not like a bad character, a bad person or anything. Um, But it is kind of this weird sort of in the middle of like not only their relationship, but like, like, does she have any consequence? Like, is she just a character that, you know, she's written to help and, like, we're not going to get any sort of real resolution of her character, like, we're just going to get thrown away, you know, there was a a part of me that was scared of that because um, after their battle at Olympus, um, you know, we see that, you know, someone mentioned that they saw Rachel fleeing, you know, you know running away from the Empire State Building, and after I read that, I was like, is that just where it's going to end? <laughs> the last we ever see or hear of Rachel is that she was just running away somewhere. We're not really sure. Because um, before that, the last we saw of her was her with her with Hestia, the goddess of the hearth. And so for a second, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, because there was sort of like, to me anyway, there was like um, some like, insinuation that Hestia might be dying or something you know again gods can't die but they can like be forgotten and then they sort of just get like wisped away (laughs) so maybe that was happened with Hestia maybe you know because like Hestia can sort of see stuff too like with the hearth I mean she was able to give uh you know give visions to Percy so I'm like oh that kind of connects to what they what I feel like they're building Rachel up for so maybe that'll be that um, but no, it ends with Rachel doing what Make Estellan tried to do, and she became the Oracle, um, which is interesting, you know, I, as I was reading this, I was sort of guessing, again, there could be some, like, hidden knowledge in the back of my brain from the first time I read this, but 
um, I was like, oh yeah, I think that's what's going to happen, you know, uh, because the big uh, wall that was there, why the Oracle was, you know, that Oracle for so long is because of the curse that Hades put on. And I was trying to remember, like, what was the curse exactly? You know, what did, what did Hades tell the Oracle at the time? And I remember it, it I, I, I think it had something to do with him and his children being outcasts. So then it's like, okay, well now, now that they're not outcasts anymore, kind of like we just mentioned, that maybe broke the curse. Now we can get a new Oracle because we need a new Oracle. Cause I think there is a, there is a point in which the Oracle can die if they don't get a new body. So without an Oracle, it's like, oof, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> that might be a huge threat, you know, not, not, not quite a Kronos slash Typhon threat, but big thing could be. So, uh, Rachel was able to become the Oracle. It's very strange too, because again, we're only used to the like mummy lady Oracle. Um, so now it's like, oh no, Rachel's still just a person. Like she's not going to be like locked up in the attic or whatever. Like, no, she's, she's going to school. <laughs> um, you know, I do like the little joke that she made about, oh no, what if I'm in like geometry class and someone asked me an answer and I start giving them a prophecy or whatever. Um, I mean, in reality, the mist would probably help a little bit with that. And you would just get, uh, you'd probably just get like, I don't know, like coined as like a weird girl, which she already kind of is. Probably be more embarrassing than, um, I don't know, actually threatening. But, uh, but yeah, it's cool. It's cool that she's the Oracle. I, I like that. Um, I do like the relationship between her and Annabeth now, you know, where even Percy is thinking and he's like, oh, you know, she, you know, Annabeth actually kind of gets along with Rachel now, funny enough. And like, you just kind of stop for a second and you're like, well, yeah, it's because she's, she's not a threat to her anymore. <laughs> she was, she was the only thing, the only thing in her mind that could stop you from being with her. <laughs> and now oh, she, she can't date anyone anymore. <laughs> Um, just, you know, I just thought that was funny. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's weird. They, you know, actually getting along now. It's like, hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> to be a mystery. Um, but again, you know, uh, you know, I was talking about, you know, this obviously, like I said, being the end, you know, there are, there are other series in the universe. There are other books being made 15 years later, but, um, you know, this being the end, there's a lot of resolution, but there are, you know, little things here and there that, you would be interested to see more of like Rachel being the Oracle. Like, what does that mean? Like, can she not go on quests anymore? Um, you know, she's not a half blood. So I guess that probably means no more quite, but like, you know, how, how much of her character are we going to see in any future books? Right. How is she going to be a different type of Oracle? Again, given the fact that something as simple as, she seems to be an actual person and not just like a corpse with, you know, with the spirit, the spirit of like Delphi or whatever uh, inside of her. Like she's an actual person so she can go to school and she can, you know, walk around and talk to people and, and, and all that. So um, that's like a, a nice new angle. Uh, but now we are at the main. going to get to the Percy stuff. And, you know, kind of what that means. And then, like I said, we'll get into some other key moments that are not just the very, very, very end 
of the book. Um, Percy stuff. So Percy, big thing here. He gets offered to be a god. Um, <clears throat> he kind of just gets assumed, you know, because, you know, the way they lead up, they're like, we can give you anything you want, you know? And it's like, okay. And then, you know, the Percy's like, hmm, you know, he's kind of like questioning it. And then Zeus is like, yes. You know, you know, Zeus kind of sighs a little bit. He's like, yes, the the greatest gift of them all. If you want, we can make you a god. We can make you immortal and all that. Um, and to me, the way I read, like the way he says it, it's almost like, oh, yes, another hero. They get whatever they want. They're, of course, going to ask to be immortals. That's what all, you know, that's what all mortals want is, you know, they, they want to be a god, you know, and he's kind of like over it. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. And then, you know, for Percy to be like, no, I think it catches them all off guard. And again, it almost insults them because they're like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? You know, because they're gods. <laughs> so they're like, wait, what do you, how, you know, how could you possibly, um, you know, reject our offer? That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, I do like that moment though, because uh, he looks to Annabeth and there, you know, there's a couple things there. One, this is the exact opposite of what happened uh, in the, the Titan's Curse, <laughs> right? Right, Titan's Curse, right? When uh, Percy was convinced that Annabeth was trying to join the Hunters, and if Annabeth joined the Hunters, she would have been immortal, not necessarily a god, but immortal, and she also would have, you know, they would have never seen each other again, maybe like once in a blue moon, but for the most part, they'd never see each other again, and Percy was, was real torn up inside about this, even when they got to Olympus, and it was like, oh, here's the conclusion to everything, um, Percy, like, pulled Annabeth to the side, was like, Annabeth, don't do it, like, he, he was real frantic, like, don't, don't do this, and Annabeth is just like, what are you, what are you talking about, and then it gets revealed that Thalia's gonna join the hunters, Annabeth very happy for her, Annabeth not joining the hunters, <laughs> um, and we were like, we all had a, you know, you know, big collective sigh of like, oh, thank God, you know, there's a small part of us that probably would have been happy for Annabeth if that is truly what she wanted, um, but that would have sucked for Percy, <laughs> um, you know, and then even before that, I think that was the very beginning of the book where Annabeth wanted to wanted to like talk to him about something and it seemed very important and so that all linked up with like oh no she's gonna join the hunt she's gonna join it <laughs> she's gonna do it um so now it's the flip where it's like person can become a guy be probably pretty cool probably pretty pretty sweet for him to be a you know for him to be a god but um i'm sure annabeth you know he looks to annabeth and like annabeth is refusing to you know to meet his gaze because it's like oh she 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 can't believe it you know um the same thing though where, where she's probably torn up inside of like oh no he's gonna become a god and maybe be able to see me sometimes but definitely you know ah, terrible stuff in that moment though i think all i think everyone who's reading this is like there's no way there's no way he's gonna say yes to this you know again because i think he is different than a lot of the other demigods i don't think all demigods are bad i think that's you know, that's like propaganda by the gods, you know, I mean, we even talked to Mr. D, right, where he's like, oh, all, all you half-bloods are the same, um, and I don't think that's necessarily true, but I especially don't think it's true for Percy, um, you know, I think he's shown that time and time again, where, 
Um, there are moments where he's definitely selfish. He's like the selfish hero. Um, you know, I think, but more often than not, he proves that he is not selfish. Um, and, and he does prove it in this moment too. And, I, and again, I love it again in, in relation to Annabeth, where when he says, no, I don't want to be a God, Annabeth, like she like radiates, <laughs> just like radiates happiness. <laughs> um, you know, and then even Percy makes him, you know, makes a moment of that where he's like, and that was all worth it. Seeing Annabeth that happy made it worth turning down immortality. And that's like, oh, you guys, at that moment, it's like, Rick Riordan, you better, <laughs> you better not trick us. You better put them together. Um, and we do, and we already talked about that. But um, I love that he turns down being a god. Um, he wanted to live his life. and wanted to see his friends. Um, and, you know, I think there was a part of him that, like, wants to be a hero, like, like, wants to kind of subvert all the expectations that have already been put on him, that he's already been trying to, um, you know, tear down those very negative opinions that I think people have on heroes, um, you know, but then also maybe help the next generation, right? We're talking about the great prophecy, you know, the, the next one where it's like, yeah, you know, they, they might need help, you know? in part with Luke, which we're going to get into the other big thing that he does, um, trying to make it so the next generations of half-bloods have a much easier time than he's had it. Hopefully try to mend the, the, the very huge, very long bridge between the gods and the demigods. Um, so yeah, a lot of potential reasons. Um, yes, and so couple of big things he does uh one i think is more of an afterthought but he does say where you know he does want um the other the other players such as the other titan like uh people <laughs> i can think of the right word people i guess i don't know uh like calypso to be pardoned you know because we know there are other titans and titan children and, and all that stuff um that didn't really do anything wrong like they're just kind of related to the titans in some form or fashion and so the gods have punished them and it's like ah, oh, that's that's that, that's not really fair um so i'm i'm very happy that that you know he was able that you know he did throw that in there and did remember people like calypso um who are punished for no reason at all um so again another another reason another uh you know piece of evidence that you know percy does pay attention and he's trying to help out as many people as he can. Um, and then the other big thing he does is he wants all the children to be claimed. There are no unclaimed children, no more, you know, dozens of children being thrown into the house of Hermes because they don't know who their, who their godparent is. Um, none of them running around not knowing what to do, not knowing who they are, not knowing how to deal with being a half-blood when they don't even know what that is. There's going to still be some of that just because, you know, they don't get claimed, you know, day one of their birth, but um, trying to minimize that and trying to help out as many of these people as we can, um, you have to claim them. You have to claim all your children so they know they know who their godparent is, they know what they're getting into, um, they know what danger they may or may not be in, all that stuff. Um, you know, and also to hopefully... Um, prevent 
a moment like this happening again where there does, you know, there is some, maybe a lot of resentment built up from these children. So claim them, show them that like you, you recognize them, you acknowledge, at the very least acknowledge <laughs> that they are your children. Um, and then in tandem with that, uh, showing all of the minor gods respect as well. Minor gods have to claim their children as well, but then also, you know, let them build. I don't know if he said they all have to have thrones in Olympus, but at the very least we are going to have cabins for all of them at Camp Half-Blood so they can all, again, know their parent is, be proud of that, meet other children, meet all, you know, their their god siblings. Um, all of them have recognition. Again, no more unclaimed we don't want that anymore because that was a big thing with Luke. You know, we look at Luke and, and Ethan. It was like Luke's big thing was um, the relationship that he didn't have with his father. So we're taking care of that aspect. And then someone like Ethan, who turned out to be a huge player in this game, um, his thing was that his godparent uh, nemesis? No. Was... Was Nemesis the name <laughs> of the character? I don't remember. But, uh, you know, them not being respected. Um, you know, them kind of getting tossed aside. It's like, oh, you're just a minor god. It doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, so we're kind of taking care of both of those avenues. Um, and the gods, they, they have to do it. Uh, he does make them swear in the river sticks, which is funny because then, you know, Hades kind of throws up his hands. It's like, oh, that was, that was me. <laughs> Um, I'm the one who did that because he tried to make, you know, Percy tried to make a promise with Hades in the past. Didn't work out because he, you know, he didn't actually make an oath. Um, so I kind of. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all Percy does. Again, you know, his things, you know, we have Annabeth and Grover and, and all that stuff. And they're going to be huge, I'm sure, for the future of Olympus and and demigods and all that stuff but we have Percy who's, who's really trying to shake it up and trying to change the dynamic between the gods and their children and how they're treated and I mean we already have great results of that right with Grover and them saying they're gonna find so many more half-bloods all over the world um which is good because you know in you know at its base, these things should prevent something like this ever happening again. Um, you know, because a big thing like that was, again, Luke. Luke was, like, the main player, and we're trying to solve that, trying to solve Ethan's thing. But if we do ever get something again, and we already have another great prophecy, which is unfortunate, uh, we do have, hopefully, way more Half-Bloods in training, and we should have a much better shot next time. Even though we won this time, you know, pretty close, a lot of... A lot of luck that kind of went into this. So, yeah, good stuff on Percy's side. Um, and then we have kind of just trickling in some other information. Uh, Luke, be remiss if we didn't mention Luke. Uh, Luke at the very end. This actually does go kind of kind of deeper, though, because Luke at the very end, he did, he did end. He did it all himself. Him with Kronos. He, you know, he's able to kill Kronos. And what what I was thinking with all of this is 
I think very similar to Ethan, right? So we have Ethan who he, uh, Percy was able to get through to him at the end. You know, Nemesis, he's supposed to be the god of balance. This isn't balance. This is destruction. This, this is not what you wanted. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, Ethan realized that, that this isn't what he wanted. He wanted, uh, you know, he did want revenge, but he, he mostly just wanted recognition. He wanted, um, you know, his big thing was that he feels that he's kind of cast aside because his godparent was cast aside because there is disparity within the gods, right? So he wanted to overthrow those gods to show, hey, we're important too, right? And it's very true, very accurate. Um, but with all this, this isn't, this is just, Cronus is just going to destroy everything. You know, there's also no guarantee that you're going to get any slice of this pie when, when Kronos wins, you know? So I think Luke realized that. I believe he realized that much earlier, though. I would go back um, to when he went to Annabeth, apparently, at you know some point over the summer or something. Um, and, you know, we already learned about this, but he, he went to Annabeth basically, uh, you know, pleading with her to to run away with him, basically. And, you know, Annabeth couldn't do it. Makes complete sense, though. It's like, you you are not <laughs> you are not the same person that were before. You know, you are literally on Kronos' side. Like, like this is not going to happen. And so I think somewhat before that, Luke kind of realized that he was in too deep. And this is not what he wanted. He wanted revenge on the gods for not giving him the respect not, uh, you know, not treating him like a son. Um, but I think he soon realized that, again, destroying everything, not the solution, not going to make me feel better. Because again, no guarantee that he was ever going to survive any of this. And then him in particular, we know that if Kronos was able to go into his full form, he was going to shed Luke and Luke, pretty sure Luke was going to die. <laughs> pretty sure that was going to be the end of Luke. Um, so again, I think it was around that moment. And while I'm sure he was angry at Annabeth at the time, I think he was probably more angry at himself for letting himself get this far. Um, you know, letting revenge take him this far. Um, and I think that all kind of coalesced at the end when he decided to end himself and Kronos saying, I have to be the one to do this. Um, you know, because no one else, you know, Percy and Annabeth sort of tried in the moment, but they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't actually hurt Kronos. Um, you know, so, so him doing it at the end, I think it just kind of brought together the character, you know. I think before this, uh, you know, I talked about this where I was afraid that they were going to redeem Luke's character and somehow make him live. And I'm very glad they didn't because while I agree with the sentiment that he, I don't think Luke was born evil or anything like that. I think there was a lot of neglect on the God side and we've seen that, right? I don't think you can argue with that reading this book, this series. I think that he is not even close to being a hundred percent innocent. Um, so him, you know, this ending with him dying and him sort of, you know, I did sort of mention this possibility last time where I'm like, oh, I bet you he's going to help 
you know, I thought he was going to reveal his weak spot and have Percy kill him. Although I, I've been going into this book, I thought that's what he was going to do. Um, I sort of like a last ditch, like I've realized what I've done. This is terrible. Kronos winning is not going to be, that is not my desired outcome. I've, I've realized this is not what I want. I'm going to tell Percy where my weak spot is. Percy going to kill me. And that's going to be that. It's not what happened. He, he took it into his own hands, literally. Um, yeah, I think that was really the best. And, you know, we do now interpret the, the prophecy in a way where it's like, oh, it was it was always going to be Luke. Um, I do think Lurk, Lurk, <laughs> I do think Luke deserves that, that respect, um, you know, for that moment. Um, definitely deserve to die at the end, though, you know. Um, and, you know, but it is interesting because I have, uh, bashed Annabeth in the past for having so much allegiance and so much hope in Luke, but at the end of the day, it was kind of that, that was the last, uh, you know, the last step to getting to this ending, right? Like her faith in Luke is the thing that where she realized, oh no, this is what, this is what has to happen. Luke is still in there. Luke has realized it. I have faith that Luke is going to be the hero in the prophecy to end Kronos. <laughs> you know, we're kind of realizing that, oh, the Cursed Blade. Cursed Blade is not Backbiter or, you know, the Kronos Scythe. It is the dagger that she gave me or that he gave her. So big stuff there, Luke being that and then again even as he's dying he's like no more unclaimed <laughs> don't let this happen again you know him again being very self-aware about why he did what he did and it's like percy make sure this never happens again and percy percy's doing his best he's doing his best to to fulfill that for luke because again at the end of the day like i said i don't think luke was born evil i don't think he was 100 percent evil i do think he is to blame <laughs> but I do think he was a, a, a victim of his circumstances and very easily any other demigod could have turned out that way. Like Thalia could have very easily turned into Luke. Um, I think Percy could have turned into Luke. I mean, just, you know, just look at book one where he gets tossed into the middle of a war between Zeus and Poseidon. He gets framed, right? For no reason, he did nothing. His mom gets captured by Hades. It's like he very easily could have been like, you know what? <laughs> I don't care about none of these gods anymore. <laughs> Where, where's Kronos? <laughs> you know, he could have very easily turned to Luke. So I think it was a victim of the circumstances, even though I think there is, you know, he is the one who, that, that this happened to, not anyone else. So I think there is some, you know, some blame going his way as well, at least a little bit. Um, but yeah. Uh, what else do we have? I already talked about Percy getting through to Ethan. That was cool. Um, kind of more, more on the angle of, you know, we talked about Percy sort of being, trying to be different than other heroes, I think. You know, trying to show that he's not just some selfish hero. Like that, that cliche does not apply to him. The good stuff applies to him, but not all the bad stuff. I think that's true for a lot of characters here, right? Like we look at Annabeth and Grover, right? And they are outstanding in what they're trying to do and what they're trying to become. And we look at Nico, where I think Nico also breaks a lot of those stereotypes, especially him being a son of Hades. Um, 
you know, where they talked about him and Hades being, being welcomed in Olympus, but, you know, but then we, you know, we look at what actually got them there, and we see that Nico was able to convince Hades to help. I don't know that very many other people, even sons or daughters of Hades, could have done that. Nico was able to get through to his father and say, hey, like this, you know, because we saw them before and they were arguing and it was like, Hades is never going to agree to this. But again, this just shows another character here is trying their best to sort of break out of what everyone thinks about them and thinks about what they should be. Um, See, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that too, to just be like, hey, you know, Nico, not part of kind of our main group, I don't think, but uh, still very important and still trying to make moves. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Um, and I guess we'll close up the whole Typhon thing. Um, big threat. Uh, very interesting device to use for Rick to be like, well, Kronos is the main thing. But we also have Typhon in the background. We, we got to mention, we, we, we have to remember him because he could still be a problem, <laughs> you know. But them able to get Poseidon there, um, you know, him defeating, quote-unquote, Oceanus. Him uh, being able to come back and help defeat Typhon is great. Um, yeah, I, 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 just thought those, I just thought that was a really cool moment. Um, just be like, hey, you know, we, can, we, we, we do need everyone to do this. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought that was a cool moment. Um, another cool thing, Percy giving Pandora's Jar to Hestia as an offering. I love Hestia. Um there are a lot of like main characters in this book, but then there are also some side characters that I really, really like. And, you know, I would like to see more of, I don't think we will, but you know, you know, people like Calypso love Calypso. I loved her whole story. Um, her kind of being a very tragic character. Um, you know, I, you know, I, th I, you know, I thought that was cool. Um, not, not cool for her, obviously that, that sucks <laughs> for her, but you know, as, as a character and then, you know, even something like blackjack, every time blackjack enters, I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> Blackjack is top three character in the series. Um, absolutely fantastic. Love him. If Blackjack ever dies, I might have to stop reading, you know. Uh, love him. But, like, Hestia is another one where I, I love Hestia. Like, her just become, her just being the goddess of the hearth. Her being, like, the forgotten god, you know, even more so with, like, her, her saying that she gave up her seat to Mr. D., uh, as some sort of compromise, I forget exactly what it was, but, um, you know, like, oh, no one ever notices me, um, you know, you didn't notice me on your first day at Camp Half-Blood, and, you know, I was, and I, I was at the hearth, um, you know, her helping with, like, the visions and all that, like, love her character, she, she's great, um, you know, so him giving the Pandora's Jar as an, as an offering, it's, like, showing so much respect to her as a, as a god, as a goddess, whatever, um, great moment, you know, and then, us like closing up her character at the end with all the celebration and he looks over at the hearth and sees Hestia and he's like in his mind he's like I don't know if anyone else can see her it might just be me but maybe you know maybe she prefers it that way you know uh, you know I'm sure there are times where she's like don't need everyone to see me all the time um, you know but, but just enough for him to see her and her sort of like you know give him a nod of recognition um, is, is such a nice subtle way to kind of close up that that character i guess um so yeah love that character um selena 
dies, unfortunately. You know, we, we see that she dies when she was impersonating Clarice, all that stuff to get House Ares out there. Uh, big swing in the war. That was, you know, that was a very, very helpful moment in terms of just firepower. Um, but it is revealed that she's the spy. You know, that was something that, that I think we talked about before where it's like, I wonder who the spy is. I wonder if maybe Kronos is just, is just messing with them. It's like, actually, no one's the spy. I'm just trying to, just sort of, you know, trying to inject some sort of, uh, you know, distrust within the half-bloods, um, which would be very helpful, right? Um, but it, it was Selena, and we learned that it was Selena because Selena liked Luke, you know, before, you know, before she got with Beckendorf, liked Luke. Luke was able to convince her to be a spy, um, you know, when she realized who he was, that, that he was using her, you know, even when, you know, she got with Beckendorf and all that, um, you know, she tried to get out of it, and Luke was like, you don't want to do that, because I'll tell everyone, and then everyone will hate you, and they might even kill you, <laughs> I don't know, um, so she couldn't, so, like, she was still, so now she was against her will, giving up the information, and I'm sure that tore her up, and a lot of things make sense now, you go back and read, you know, read some of, I think maybe this book and maybe the last book too, I don't remember. Um, there's lots of little moments where, you know, where she has a, a very short piece of dialogue of like, oh, this is all my fault or whatever. And I think in this book, she does say something to the effect of, oh, well, I'm not that great of a camper, you know, if I knew how to fight or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And deep down, it's like, oh, no, the real reason why she thinks everything is her fault is because some of it is. She's the spy giving up information, but I think in this moment, her being brave enough to impersonate Clarice, to bring Clarice and House Ares back, and her dying because of it, you know, um, you know, I like the very, very end where they do make, like, a, I forget exactly what they're called when they, like, cover the dead body and whatever of, of your god parentage, and then they, they, they set you ablaze or whatever, um, I do like that moment where, you know, Percy's thinking about it, and he's like, there was no mention of the word spy, and that, you know, that secret died on that day, and I'm just like, that's so perfect to be like, you know, again, you know, we, we've been, uh, rewind back to the moment where they come back after bringing Clarius and Ares into the war, and them having to give the unfortunate news that, that Selena died, also in that moment, he's like, but no one mentioned that she was a spy because no one needs to know that, you know, she, she, she died a hero and, 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 and no one has to know that she was a spy. Um, cause, cause she was, <laughs> you know, um, she was as much a hero as, as anyone else was. So, uh, that was great. Um, and then, uh, you know, another sort of, uh, effect of that was i think this is my last note i wanted to mention so this works out perfect uh was and that moment being the moment that annabeth admits to percy that he was right about luke and this is a very tough moment because you can tell that it's it's tearing annabeth inside it's tearing her up inside um you know i think she even has a she even says something to the effect of like i bet you're real happy right now you know, and Percy's like, I'm, I'm not happy at all, you know, because, you know, there's a few different ways to attack this, right? Like, we know that Annabeth likes Luke in some form or fashion. We do see at the end, though, where he's dying and Luke asks, uh, did you love me? 
and Annabeth pauses and it's sort of unclear what her real feelings were because she does end up saying you were like a big brother to me no I didn't love you and and Luke nods accepts that answer but he she does glance at Percy for a second so it's like did she not want to actually say that she loved him in front of Percy like it's it's tough but either way there there were those feelings um and so maybe she feels that you know Percy always felt like jealous of him intimidated by him or whatever so he's like oh well, I bet you're real happy and, and also just the fact that he was right you know so it's like oh you know all, all that mixes together oh I bet you're real happy right now from Percy's perspective he's like I'm not happy and you know there's probably a few reasons for that one I don't like seeing you sad or upset and this clearly makes you sad or upset so no I'm not happy that I'm right um, another reason is well no I I would love if Luke <laughs> wasn't like this I would love for Luke to be an ally and to more than that be a friend so no I'm I'm not happy <laughs> you know um but yeah that you know that is all because of the the Selena stuff you know, for her to finally realize that, oh, Luke was manipulating her, and, you know, maybe she even feels a little bit of, you know, him, that could mean that he has possibly manipulated her in one way or another, right, so, um, somewhat, uh, you know, that moment was somewhat relieving to be like, you know, because up until this point, I've already mentioned it, of like, just being upset at Annabeth, of like, Luke is not... <laughs> what you want Luke to be is not who he is and for that to finally hit her is like as a reader you're like finally but then it's like oh it still kind of sucks though you know um but yeah but that is the book I believe that is everything um lots of good stuff again the end of a series you know um yeah I don't have anything else to say about the book great great stuff you know coming off of uh this is the second series we've done after Mistborn. You know, coming off of that, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. You know, it is a book I read much longer ago. It's also written for a much younger audience, um, you know, around like elementary school type, you know, uh, you know, type type readers. But uh, still very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, like I said, just to reiterate one last time, um, there are more books in this series coming out as well as other series in the same universe. Um, I'm sure we'll cover those at some point. I've never actually read fully any of those. Um, I think I've started a couple of other series, but, you know, so we, we, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll cover those some point in the future. Because um, I'm very excited to do it now after rereading this. It's like, oh, I can't wait. Um, but I think the last thing to cover is the next series. So next series we are starting is going to be a good one. It is going to be the Kingkiller Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss, Rothfuss, um, so that is, there are two books in the series, and there are also two, uh, novellas, you know, short stories, whatever you want to call them, uh, we'll cover all four, um, I will say, if you don't know anything about this series, um, one, it's very good, very good, uh, but it isn't finished, this is probably, probably the second most famous series after Song of Ice and Fire, or Game of Thrones, um, that isn't finished, and we're not sure if we're going to get an ending. We're, we're hoping there's supposed to be one more book. That's, that's the plan originally, I suppose. Um, not happening, or isn't, we have no idea. 
you know. So I will say if you, if that uh, discourages you to reading it, totally understand. But I think even though if it, even though it isn't finished, I think these first two books are so good and so engrossing that uh, I would like to cover them again. Um, and then the two short stories, like, you know, novellas or whatever, I've never read. So that'll be fun to kind of go through those for the first time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so first book is called The The Name of the Wind, like I said, by Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, we're going to be covering chapters 1 through 23. So about the first quarter of the book. Um, these are longer books than Percy Jackson, kind of more akin and even a little longer than the Mistborn books. So we're going to break them up into, you know, a couple more parts than just two parts. So uh, chapters 1 through 23, uh, Name of the Wind, Patrick Rothfuss read that and we'll have a good time i've only read these books once most books i've only read once it's you know but uh these books are very dense very dense a lot of prose being used that's kind of what he's what he's known for um and i'm excited to go through it again and kind of see what you all think um because there are it being unfinished and unfinished for so long there's so many theories and so many like you know readers like picking apart different things that happen and so um excited for that but that is it. Um, let me know your thoughts um, on the book, on the series that we just finished. Um, any sort of predictions for, uh, again, I'm, I'm assuming this story continues in one way or another in one of the series, um, or obviously the book six and seven and plus that are being put out right now, but let me know about that. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Till next time, read the chapters for the next book and uh you know we'll get into a new series